Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. May I get a little personal? Are we as concerned about the poor as the Bible is? You know, in Luke's gospel, Jesus begins his ministry on the Sabbath in his hometown, in his synagogue. He gets there, he reads from the prophet Isaiah the following words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And when he finishes reading, he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, for Jesus, there is no way to separate his way, truth, and life from care of the poor. So much of Jesus' ministry was with society's outcasts, the, the nobodies, the, the disabled, the destitute, the diseased, the mentally ill, and the poor. The poor matter to Jesus. You know, he tells the rich young ruler who had kept all the commandments to sell all that he had and give the proceeds to the poor. Then he'd be ready to follow Jesus. Our abundance and others' needs and following Jesus, these are all intertwined. The poor, they matter to Jesus. They're God's children too. It is as though it's how we respond to the poor that I believe is evidence of our devotion to Christ. What we really believe and who we really are is revealed in how we treat the poor. There's a Peanuts cartoon that makes an important statement for our study today. In the first frame, you have Snoopy. You know, he's out in a snowstorm. He's shivering and he's looking, you know, longingly, expectingly at Linus and Charlie Brown, who are walking towards him in the snow. So they walk over to Snoopy and they simply say, you know, go in peace and be warmed and filled. And then they just simply walk away. And in the last frame, you see a confused, you know, shivering Snoopy looking at these two who offered him no real assistance at all. For our study today, we're going to go to this little book of James. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, with me to the epistle of James. We're going to go to chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 1. My brothers and sisters, when you show favoritism, you deny the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has been resurrected in glory. Imagine two people coming into your meeting. One has a gold ring and fine clothes, while the other is poor, dressed in filthy rags. Then suppose that you were to take special notice of the one wearing fine clothes, saying, here is an excellent place, sit here. But to the poor person you say, stand over there, or here, sit at my feet. Wouldn't you have shown favoritism among yourselves and become evil-minded judges? My dear brothers and sisters, listen. Hasn't God chosen those who are poor by worldly standards to be rich in terms of faith 
Hasn't God chosen the poor as heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? This is the one place where the teachings of Christ definitely clash with the ways of the world. How we view the poor, this discrepancy is apparent in a question we often ask about people, a question to which we apparently do not give much thought. You see, we might ask of someone, you know, referring to a third party, how much do you think, you know, he or she is worth? What we're really asking is, how much money do you think he or she has? But think about how we ask the question. How much do you think he or she is worth? The truth of the matter is, we do value a person of wealth, well, more than a person without any wealth. I wonder why. Now, it may be because we all aspire to wealth ourselves. That's only natural. We want the fine things of life ourselves. And so, again, we admire people who have already attained them. And we want to associate with them, perhaps in the illusion that, well, maybe it'll rub off on us. Years ago, Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick of the Riverside Church in New York City he remarked, our grandparents were reared to say, what shall I do to be saved? This generation has been reared to say, what shall I do to succeed? Now, that's a very common attitude in our time. Above all else, we want to be successful. We want to have nice things. And so we admire those who have climbed the ladder of success themselves. Of course, for many people of wealth, it was their grandfather who climbed the ladder and they've not had to earn it at all. But we disregard that. All that matters is that they have what we want. And so we value them. Besides, sometimes we may need to gain the favor of wealthy people to further our own ends. You know, they can open doors for us, and so, and so we treat them with respect. The poor, they can do nothing for us, and so we devalue them. Perhaps we treat the poor differently because they make us feel guilty. I mean, who hasn't had the experience of being approached by a homeless person asking for a handout and afterward feeling guilty for turning him away or or, or, or making him in some way feel inferior. I suspect we have all experienced that at, at, at one time or another in our lives. So, and then we return to the teachings of Jesus. In his first major public sermon, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are you when you're hungry. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you when, when people hate you. Jesus tells two stories about the last judgment. One is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man walked by 
the hungry, sick Lazarus every day and did nothing. The other story is in Matthew 25. It's the king separating the, the sheep from the goats. And the criteria used for judging one's life and one's fitness for eternal life with God is, is whether one has responded compassionately to the poor. Let's quickly look at that parable about the sheep and the goats. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, beginning down at verse 31. Here's what it says. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You see, that's a scary parable, especially in a society that determines a person's worth on the basis of his or her bank account. But again, this is where the teachings of Jesus clash quite definitely with the values of society. How we view the poor. Scripture is clear. Our closeness to God is reflected in how we treat those less fortunate than ourselves. This is something that is true in both the Old and the New Testaments. There's an ancient legend amongst the Jews that while the Israelites were, were wandering in the desert, they decided to ask God to dinner. The legend says their, their leader Moses explained that God is not a physical being and so he does not eat. But when Moses went up on the mountain to talk with God, God said to him that he would accept the Israelites' dinner invitation. On the next day, the Israelites prepared dinner for God. And an old, poor, and hungry man arrived and asked for something to eat. But the Israelites were too busy to give the old man some food. That evening, the Israelites looked for God, but they didn't see him. The next morning, Moses went up on the mountain and asked God why he had not come for dinner. 
God replied, I did come. If you had fed the old man, you would have fed me. You see, Scripture is clear. Old Testament and New, our closeness to God is reflected in how we treat those less fortunate than ourselves. You know, someone once recited this prayer. It's a prayer that says out loud what's often really going on in the hearts of Christian people when they look at the poor. Let me share with you just, just a portion of this prayer. It went something like this. We miserable owners of increasingly luxurious cars and ever-expanding television screens do most humbly pray for that two-thirds of the world's population which is undernourished. We pray that the sick may be visited, the prisoner cared for, the refugee rehabilitated, the naked clothed, the orphan housed, and that we may be allowed to enjoy our own firesides evening by evening in peace. Oh, Son of God, we beg, we beseech, we supplicate, we petition, we implore you to hear us. Lord, be good to us. Christ, make things easy for us. Lord, deliver us from the necessity of doing anything ourselves. Amen. Our closeness to God is reflected in how we treat those less fortunate than ourselves. And the truth is that some of us are really not close to either God or our fellow man. And we'll remember them in our prayers, perhaps, but not in our actions. Again, this is where the teachings of Jesus clash quite definitely with the values of society, how we view the poor. Scripture is clear. Our closeness to God is reflected in how we treat those less fortunate than ourselves. I read this the other day and it had an impact on me. It said, I was hungry and you formed a humanities club and discussed my hunger. I was imprisoned and you crept off quietly to your chapel in the cellar and prayed for my release. I was naked, and in your mind you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick, and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless, and you preached to me the spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely, and you left me alone to pray for me. You seem so holy, so close to God but I'm still hungry and lonely and cold. Well, that brings us to the final thing to be said. The mark of a follower of Jesus is to be kind and compassionate to all people, regardless of their station in life. We are to treat all persons with love and, and, and with respect. 
and to be servants to all. This is how we best show our love for Jesus Christ. There's an intriguing story that brings this point home. Once upon a time, there was a squire who longed to be a knight. He wanted to serve his king and be the most honorable and most noble knight who ever lived. Well, at his knighting, he was so overcome by the dedication that he made a special oath. He vowed that he would bow his knee and lift his arms in homage to his king and his king alone. Well, that knight was given the task of guarding a city on the frontier of the kingdom. Every day, he stood at attention by the gate of the city in full armor. Years passed. One day, as he was standing at attention, guarding his post, a peasant woman passed by with goods for her market. Her cart turned over, spilling potatoes and carrots and onions everywhere. Well, the woman hurried to get them all back in her cart, but the knight wouldn't help the poor woman. He just stood at attention, lest he break his vow by bending his knee to help pick up the woman's goods. Time passed, and one day a man with one leg was passing by, and his, his crutch broke. Good night, he said. Sir, please reach down and help me up. But the knight would not stoop or lift a hand to help, lest he break his vow to bow only to his king. Years and decades passed. The knight was getting old. One day his grandson came by and said, Grandpa, pick me up and take me to the fair. But the knight would not stoop to pick up his grandson, lest he break his vow to the king. Finally, after years, the king came to visit and inspect the knight. As the king approached, the knight just stood there at attention. He did not bow, but simply remained erect. The king inspected him. But then he noticed that the knight was crying. You are one of the noblest knights I have ever seen, said the king. Why do you cry? The knight responded, Your majesty, I took a vow that I would bow and lift my arms in homage to you. But tonight I am unable to keep my vow. These years have, have done their work and the joints of my armor are rusted. I cannot lift my arms or bend my knees. With the loving voice of a parent, the king replied, Perhaps if you had knelt to help all those who passed by and lifted your arms to embrace all those who came to you, you would have been able to keep your vow to pay me homage today. There are some of us in danger, not just of rusted knees and rusted arms, but, but rusted hearts as well. 
our hearts will make a pitiful offering to Christ someday because we have not exercised them in acts of kindness and compassion for all people. One day, young Emma was playing with her Bible character paper dolls when she realized that the Jesus character was missing. Well, she and her sister Marlene looked all over the house, but they couldn't find Jesus anywhere. Well, later that afternoon, Emma comes running to her mother with some good news. She said, I have found Jesus. He was in one of daddy's magazines. Emma proudly held out her new Jesus. Her sister gasped as she took the picture from Emma's hands. It was a picture of a tall, bearded, homeless man dressed in rags. Because of his long hair and beard, he did resemble Emma's paper doll Jesus. As Marlene reflected on, on Jesus' own words about the poor and, and the powerless, she decided that her little sister had indeed found Jesus. Do you remember where we started today's program? My brothers and sisters, when you show favoritism, you deny the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ who has been resurrected in glory. My dear brothers and sisters, listen. Hasn't God chosen those who are poor by worldly standards to be rich in terms of faith? Hasn't God chosen the poor as heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the kindness and the mercy and the blessings you pour out upon us. But right now, Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those less fortunate than us that you may sustain them and draw near to them and you may motivate us to just not pray about these folks, but to actively get involved in alleviating the suffering of others because that will be our sign of our closeness to you. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer for our viewers. And today I'd like to offer you this book called The Story of Hope. It's uh, a glimpse into a time when suffering will be no more. It helps answer questions like, how did our world get so messed up? Um, I know you will enjoy this book and we've offered in the past and maybe you've requested it in the past. Why not request it again? But this time, give it to a friend. If you are interested in receiving this book, it will arrive at your home by mail, postage paid, no obligation whatsoever on your part. If you'd like to request this book, listen carefully to the information we're about to provide you. 
To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. And if I could be so bold as to ask you to help us get the word out about our program. Invite your friends and your family to tune in every week so that they too can take part in what goes on here at Lessons for Living Television. Uh, to help you with that, you can refer them to our website, l4ltv.com. All of the previous programs are on the website, and so if they can go back to our first season and, and, and see the programs, you can, you can share those programs with your friends, and you know, if a particular program resonated with you and you want somebody to watch, you can share it from the website. On the website, we also have where I will be appearing live. If you, We have a tab that will uh, help you get set up with a Bible study group if you're interested in that then reach out to me through the website and we'll get you started on some Bible study. And there's also a Donate Today tab, which um, you can make a donation to help keep the ministry on the air. All of the money donated goes directly into the broadcast, the paying for the studio, the gifts. Not one penny of that comes to me in terms of a salary. I pastor a church and this is something we do as a labor of love, but we could use your financial support to help us keep the program on the air. There is another website we also have which covers the humanitarian, international humanitarian work that we do called missionnowcanada.com. And you'll see on the website that every year we have at least one mission trip that is going overseas to the Philippines or to Paraguay. And we do some really excellent work if you are interested in joining us on an upcoming mission trip, you'll see the dates there. Uh, there will be a, a little form you can fill out and you can send that in and we'll send you information. Or maybe you can't join us on the trip, but you'd like to make a donation to sponsor someone to come or you'd like to make a donation to help us buy some of the supplies and some of the things that we need to to alleviate or help alleviate the suffering overseas, you can do that on the website, missionnowcanada.com. Also, we're a charitable organization, so every donation you give, you will receive a receipt for income tax purposes. Follow me on Instagram. Every morning, I put out a one-minute devotional 
follow me on Twitter, like our Facebook page, download this program audio on SoundCloud, and you can carry it with you and listen to it whenever you like. We are all out of time. I hope we get a chance to do this again next time, and I hope you will join us. Until then, God bless you. We'll see you soon.